You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. You know, no one must be thinking, well, you know, what's this all about? This might happen again. In fact, this might happen to me. And, uh, and I'm sure he was a little bit more than just a little bit concerned about that. I mean, think about what had just taken place. God wiped out the entire human race for the exception of Noah and his family. And so Noah needed to hear that. And when Noah looked at that rainbow, he was reassured by God he need not be Today, Pastor Mike reminds us what God did after flooding the earth. He created the rainbow. This rainbow was to serve as a sign to Noah and to every generation that followed that God would never flood the earth again and destroy it the way he did in the days of Noah. Pastor Mike shows us that throughout Scripture, God often gives signs and symbols to remind His people of His character and goodness. And even to this day, we can look at many of these signs and remember what God has done for us. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 9 as he begins his message, The God Who Gives Signs. The text that we're going to be treating is found in Genesis chapter 9, and our text is found in verses 8 through 17. And over the last couple of weeks, we were introduced to, in our cast of characters, a fellow whose name was Noah, and who built the ark, and God judged the earth. And now the waters had rescinded. God had instructed Noah to leave the ark with all of the animals, to replenish the earth, to be fruitful, and multiply, and God was going to do a brand new thing all over again. And then God reintroduces the covenant that he had made with Noah. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So that sort of sets the stage for this message. Genesis chapter 9, beginning in verse 8. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you, and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, beasts of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you, and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow 
in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. So, obviously, as it relates to the title of this message, signs. That's going to be our focus. That is those signs that God gives to men to remind and encourage them. Now, first of all, let me begin by saying that there are two different kinds of signs in the Bible, two different varieties of signs, the first of which is of the miraculous sort, and often we refer to those as signs and wonders. For example, I'm thinking of the miracles that are recorded for us in the book of Exodus, those signs that God worked through Moses where he stood before Pharaoh and demanded that he let his people go. And so the variety of different plagues that came upon Egypt that ultimately broke the back of Pharaoh, and thus he did, in fact, let God's people go. So that would be of the miraculous sort, signs and wonders. But then also, there are these other signs that would fall like into the category, or I would describe them in this way, they are signs that are symbolic of spiritual truths, which overlap the miraculous. For example, think about the multiplication of the loaves and fishes and when Jesus was there in the Galilee. But then after that he had wrought that miracle, Jesus then seized upon that opportunity and he spoke of himself as the bread of life, which was a symbol of the truth that he satisfies the needs of the human soul. You see, Jesus is the food that men and women feed their souls and their spirit upon, and only he can satisfy. And so the two different types of signs that are referred to in the Bible, two kinds of signs. Now, here, our text that we're treating in Genesis chapter 9 is of that variety, a sign that is a symbol. Okay, so what are we talking about? And what does this mean? Well, I'm referring to the rainbow in the sky, remember, which was a part of the covenant that God had made with Noah, the rainbow in the sky. Now, what did that rainbow symbolize? Well, according to what we have recorded for us here in chapter 9, it would suggest that in giving him that rainbow, God would never judge the earth again by water. Now, if you responded and answered that question in that way, you would be right. But let me tell you something. That symbol, that rainbow in the clouds, actually meant more than that it actually would fall into the category of healing for the scarred. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Healing for the scarred. 
So more than anything else, I believe that that was a sign, the rainbow in the clouds was a sign that represented healing for the scarred. You say, how's that? Well, think about this. The rainbow is a thing of beauty. Isn't that true? I mean, aren't you amazed whenever you have the opportunity to see a rainbow in the clouds? You know, my wife and I had the privilege of living in Hawaii for several years, for probably about three and a half years altogether, I guess, and rainbows were a regular occurrence there. But they're such a beautiful sign, right? It's a beautiful thing to, to behold. So think about this rainbow as a thing of beauty. Now, as it relates to God, it is a reminder of the beauty of God's grace, a reminder of the beauty of God's grace. So anytime you ever see a rainbow, if you would, I would like for you to think about it in that way. It's just a reminder of the beauty of God's grace. Okay, now, apply that to Noah's immediate traumatic experience. I mean, think about what had just taken place. Civilization, as he knew it, was just wiped out altogether, right? God judged the earth through the flood. It was a holocaust of major proportion. I mean, how do you get through something like this without being wounded, without being scarred? Don't you think that it would have taken a toll emotionally upon Noah and his family? In fact, this is probably the reason why God repeats the words of this covenant to Noah in the previous chapters. In verses 6, 8, and then more completely here in chapter 9 of the book of Genesis. Why was that? To bring healing to Noah. You know, Noah must have been thinking, well, you know, what's this all about? This might happen again. In fact, this might happen to me. And I'm sure he was a little bit more than just a little bit concerned about that. I mean, think about what had just taken place. God wiped out the entire human race for the exception of Noah and his family. And so Noah needed to hear that. And when Noah looked at that rainbow, he was reassured by God he need not be frightened. Okay, now let's take this down to personal terms, right? We're not here for some kind of a history lesson, but we want to glean from this text of Scripture. We want to learn the lessons that are contained within it, and we want to find the personal application. So what about you? Have you been wounded by the things that have come into your life? Maybe as it relates to some family matter, whatever, some failure, some disappointment, some injury. Remember, God is a God of beauty, and that's what that rainbow represented. That was the sign. So remember, God is a God of beauty. And yes, life can be filled with tragedy, the effects of sin. And unfortunately, just simply on the basis of being a child of God, we're not exempt from that kind of trouble and difficulty and calamity in our life's experience. But remember this, God is a God of beauty. And he will always help his kids overcome those things. Whatever traumatic experience you may have gone through or are going through at the present time. You know, I want to give you something to think about. When we're raptured, in fact, John, who is a fitting representative of the church in Revelation chapter 4. In fact, I'm going to ask you to turn there with me, if you would, quickly. Revelation chapter 4. But John, a befitting representative of the church, is raptured. 
And before the seven years of tribulation even breaks out, right? And uh, he's standing before the throne of God. And in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 3, I want you to take note of something that I think is pretty significant here. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 3, we read, And he who sat there, that is Jesus, was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Folks, let me tell you something. When we're raptured and we stand before the throne of God, which is the focal point in heaven, that's where all of the worship takes place. You'll find the, the throne and the sub-thrones, the 24 sub-thrones around the, the throne that God himself sits upon. Possibly you have the 12 apostles, which represent the New Testament, those sub-thrones. The other 12 may be, we're not sure, this is up subject to speculation. Some of the Old Testament prophets, who knows? But this great company of saints, Old and New Testament alike, are standing before that throne and they're worshiping he who sat upon the throne, who's none other than Jesus Christ himself. But significantly, I want you to take note of the fact that around that throne, notice, is a what? Is a rainbow, the beauty of God. It's a reminder. So let God's beautiful sign minister to you. So whenever you're, you know, whenever you're going through something and you happen to have the opportunity to see a rainbow or even think about a rainbow or dial it up on the internet, you know, whatever, and then let that minister to you. Folks, you don't have to be afraid. And so that's the first sign that I wanted for us to consider. Okay, let's go on, and we're going to go through some other texts of Scripture throughout the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, but I'll give you an, another example in the New Testament in just a little bit as well. But let's go on now and consider some of the other signs that God had given to man. The second sign that I'd like for us to consider is that of the variety of signs for the lonely. Signs for the lonely. And what I'm thinking about here is the stars in the sky. So if you're taking notes, write that down. A sign for the lonely, stars in the sky. Now down the road, here in our studies in the book of Genesis, in our cast of characters, we're going to be introduced to a fellow whose name was Abraham. And you know Father Abraham. He's the father of the faith. He's considered the father of our faith, right? And we are introduced to him in the book of Genesis in chapter 12. So I'm going to ask you to quickly jump ahead a couple of chapters to Genesis chapter 12. And there in verse 1, and Abraham was about to navigate in a very unfamiliar territory. For in verse 1, notice we read, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So basically, God is asking Abraham to leave his home, to leave his family, to leave his culture, and this is no small thing, right? He was to leave the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. That's where he was raised. That's where his family lived. And he was to travel to the far side of the Arabian desert, into the land of Palestine. 
and he was to leave all that he knew behind. And don't you think, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination, to think that in this occupation, Abraham had become very lonely. I mean, you could probably relate to that, right? Some of you came to the East Coast from the West Coast because of your work or school or or whatever, or maybe some of your families retired, they moved a good bet down to Boca Raton in Florida or whatever, right? And now you're sort of like alienated from them. And things have dramatically changed for you. Your life circumstances dramatically changed for you. But you were forced into that situation because of need. But now you're lonely, right? And so you could probably relate to that. So what did God do for Abraham to help him to deal with this loneliness? Well, if you jump ahead now a couple of other chapters to chapter 15 and verse 5, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 5, and this is the sign. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. Okay, so what did God do? Basically, he took him outside of his tent on one of those clear desert nights, and asked him to look up into the great expanse of the night sky. Have you ever been out in the desert before on a clear night? It's amazing, isn't it? The sky is just lit up with stars. You know, every year our staff, we travel out to Phoenix to attend the Southwest Pastors Conference. And man, those starry nights out in Phoenix are amazing, aren't they, Pastor Jose? And man, the sky is just lit up and and the expanse of the, of the sky, you know, all of the stars. It's amazing. And so basically then God said to Abraham, Abraham, consider the stars, the great sum of them. And this is what your posterity will be like. So Abraham, you might feel alone right now, but I want you to know that those who will descend from you, and not just physically, But spiritually, and remember, as I mentioned before, Abraham is considered the father of the faith. But spiritually as well, your spiritual children, and that's who we are, will be as numerous as the stars of heaven. Okay, now let's bring this down to personal terms. And how does this relate to us in considering this sign or looking to this sign? Well, let me ask you the question. Are you feeling lonely? What happened in your life's experience? Maybe your family is broken up. Maybe one of your relatives has passed on. Or maybe they've moved away, as I've mentioned before. And you're feeling alone. You're lonely. Well, God would say to you, look up. Look around. I want you to see the great number of those who are my children among whom you have your place and a great number like the stars in the sky. This is your family. This is the family, the new family that God has given you in Christ. And you know what? For some of us, it's a closer family than our natural families are. I know that this is true of me. You know, I still have one sister that's still alive, and, and you know, I, we have a relationship, but I got to tell you something. I'm closer, and I'm not saying that that's the way it should be, And that might not be your experience, but, 
you know, some of the relationships that we have here in this fellowship are amazing. And God has brought us together, right? And Jesus is the glue that bonds us together. He's the common denominator, right? And we have this love relationship, this bond, this family, this wonderful family that God has given to us. So look around, you know, once again, and consider that. And we are a part of this family. Now, once again, I would like for us to appeal to the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 5, and again, the picture that's being painted there for us is John, the beloved, who is the recorder of the book of Revelation, has already been raptured. He's standing before the throne of God. And there are a great host and number of people standing there along with him. And Jesus comes forward as the Lamb of God, right? And he's being worshipped as the second person of the Godhead, the second person of the, of the Trinity, right? And they're crying out, holy, holy. It's quite a scene that's being played out there for us and recorded for us there in the book of Revelation in chapter 5. This great company worshipping around the throne. There are thousands upon thousands of God's people. And so I would encourage you to think about that the next time that you feel lonely. Maybe you're feeling abandoned or whatever. You may feel lonely now, but one day you will experience the fullness of that great fellowship and company that is mentioned and recorded for us there in the book of Revelation in chapter 5. The truth of the matter is you're, you're never alone. You're never alone. What a scene that's going to be. Man, I'm really looking forward to that day. So that's the second sign. So the next time you feel lonely, you know, walk outside of the door of your home. And if you can, it's real hard in Manhattan because of the lights and stuff. But get to a dark area somewhere where you can look into the expanse of the sky and see those stars. And hopefully it'll remind you that you're a part of a bigger picture, right? And that you're not alone. And that God has given you this wonderful family. So that's the second sign that I wanted to draw your attention to. Now, the third sign speaks to us of courage for the defeated. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The third sign that I would like for us to consider is the sign that speaks to us of courage for the defeated. And I'm thinking of, in this case, the sign of the burning bush that is referred to in the book of Exodus. It was a specific particular sign that was given to Moses. You see, there was a period in Moses' life where he had to flee from Egypt. You're all familiar with the story. In spite of him being raised as a prince in Pharaoh's palace, there was a sense he was to be the deliverer of God's people, something innate within him. He identified with them and he was determined to lead them out of their bondage. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. When you look back at your life, what moments stand out to you? There are probably some pretty great ones, getting married, having kids, graduations, and celebrations. But I imagine there are also a few you'd rather not remember. The ones that come back to run through your head at night as you try to fall asleep. 
When we take a look at the stories of some of the Genesis characters, we see it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. These people you meet made their fair share of mistakes, but that didn't disqualify them from being used by God. God built a nation from human beings who were far from perfect. And guess what? He wants to use you too. God has a plan for your life, and you can faithfully follow Him in the way He has made for you. You can be forgiven of your sins and start fresh, remembering the faithfulness of God since the beginning of time. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today in the Word with Pastor Mike Venizio and in my Father's house. This program is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. Check us out online at harvestnyc.org. There you'll find service times and our easy-to-find location. We have easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. If you aren't close enough to drop by, you can find links to our online streaming and more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thank you for joining us today. We're out of time for now, but come back and feast on the Word with us next time in My Father's House. My heart not be troubled.